August 22nd, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 18 through 40. I, Paul, thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in a church meeting, I would much rather speak five understandable words that will help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. But be mature and wise in understanding matters of this kind. It is written in the Scriptures, I will speak to my own people through unknown languages and through the lips of foreigners. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting and hear everyone talking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. But if all of you are prophesying, and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin, and they will be condemned by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be laid bare. They will fall down on their knees and worship God, declaring, God is really here among you. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize what I am saying. When you meet, one will sing, another will teach. Another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in an unknown language, while another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must be useful to all and build them up in the Lord. No more than two or three should speak in an unknown language. They must speak one at a time, and someone must be ready to interpret what they are saying. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three prophesy, and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying, and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak, one after the other, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can wait their turn. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the other churches. Women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have any questions to ask, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. Do you think that the knowledge of God's Word begins and ends with you Corinthians? Well, you are mistaken. If you claim to be a prophet, or think you are very spiritual, you should recognize that what I am saying is a command from the Lord Himself. But if you do not recognize this, you will not be recognized. So, dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. Psalm 37, verses 30 through 40. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him. In Hebrew, be silent to God, and let Him mold thee. Keep still, and He will mold thee to the right shape. Trust the Lord to do that. Rest in the Lord.
You know, restlessness is an evidence of unbelief. Faith rests in the Lord and enjoys the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. God sometimes waits in answering prayer so that He might strengthen our patience. We need to wait on the Lord. May I ask you, for what are you waiting? The inheritance God has for you. The wicked have only temporary pleasure on earth, but God's people have eternal treasure in heaven. You will one day receive your inheritance, so be patient. You know what I've noticed about God's trials? He hardly ever tells you, this is a trial, and if you hold out for six months, you'll be through. And some of us get to five months and 29 days, and we give up. We didn't know we only had one more day. Never give up. There's no precedent in the Bible for giving up. God determines how long the test will last, not we. You see, waiting is one of the tests to which God almost invariably subjects the servants he intends to use. I'll give you just a little list. Abraham, you're going to have a son who will be the head of a nation that will be unique in the earth. How long did he have to wait? 25 years. He had to watch his wife past the age of childbearing and still wait. It amazes me that Abraham is so highly rated in the Bible. But what did he do? Well, essentially, he was a prosperous cattle farmer. And he wandered around the area to the east end of the Mediterranean, looking after his flocks and his herds. He did nothing very dramatic until the time came that he offered up or was willing to offer up his son Isaac. I've often asked myself, what was it in Abraham that caused God to esteem him so highly that he was called the friend of God? And I'm not sure that I really know the answer. But I think one way he earned God's favor was by waiting. Some of you are going to forfeit God's favor if you don't wait. And then there was Joseph. I love the passage in Psalm 105 that speaks about Joseph. I think I can identify with this to some extent from my own experience. Psalm 105 verse 17 and following. God sent a man before them, Joseph who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. His soul came into irons. Somebody said the iron came into his soul. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. See, that's a test. The Lord gives you a glorious promise. Tremendous. And after that, everything goes the opposite way. 
Instead of becoming the ruler over your brethren, you end up in a jail in Egypt. And I can't think of a worse place to be in jail than Egypt. What was God doing? Testing him. What was the test? Waiting. And then if you want to look at others, Moses. It says in Numbers 12 verse 3, Moses was the meekest man on earth. How did Moses learn meekness? For waiting, by waiting 40 years. Somebody asked another preacher friend of mine, why did God keep Moses waiting 40 years? And the answer was because he couldn't do it in 39. God will not finish until the test is complete. When Moses first thought he could deliver Egypt, he was Israel out of Egypt, he was a very arrogant young man. Forty years later, he was the meekest man on earth. And no one except Jesus has ever exercised such authority as Moses exercised. So if you want to have authority, you know what you need to cultivate? Meekness. God cannot trust his authority to the arrogant, the proud, the self-assertive. We had a, a prophetic word that said that in so many ways. You know the condition for promotion in the kingdom of God? It's very easy. It's abase yourself. Everyone who abases himself will be exalted. But on the other hand, everyone who exalts himself will be abased. That's right. You have the choice. That's an unalterable law that governs the universe. People talk about breaking God's laws. That's not true. We don't break God's laws. God's laws break us if we break them. And then let's think just about David for a moment. Another young man who was given tremendous promises of God. And he spent the next, I don't know how many years, I think probably about 15 years living, as he said himself, like a dead dog or a partridge on the mountains, running away from the man whom he was to succeed as king. Why does God permit that? In fact, why does God ordain that? What is he looking for? In one word, I didn't hear you. Endurance, that's right. You cannot bypass endurance. You know whom I'm speaking to at the moment? Me. You cannot bypass endurance and enter into the promises of God. You can come so far. The completeness is only through endurance. And just when it seems impossible to hold on, that's the time to hold on. Don't give in. I would like to say that to several of you individually. You're in the test. You're doing all right. Just hang in there. Don't back out. Don't give up. God is faithful. I've been asked sometimes if I had a message to leave for posterity, what would it be? I always say, I can give it to you in three words. God is faithful. 
I'll tell you another thing about waiting. It causes us to realize more and more our dependence on God. I can't do anything. I can't make it happen. I don't know when he's coming. I just depend on him. We're dependent on him. So waiting causes us to realize in an altogether new measure our dependence on Jesus. Psalm 37, verses 30 through 40. The godly offer good counsel. They know what is right from wrong. They fill their hearts with God's law, so they will never slip from His path. Those who are evil spy on the godly, waiting for an excuse to kill them. But the Lord will not let the wicked succeed, or let the godly be condemned when they are brought before the judge. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Travel steadily along His path. He will honor you, giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. I myself have seen it happen, proud and evil people, thriving like mighty trees. But when I looked again, they were gone. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. Look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future lies before those who love peace. But the wicked will be destroyed. They have no future. The Lord saves the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in Him. Proverbs 21, verse 27. God loathes the sacrifice of an evil person, especially when it is brought with ulterior motives. <laughs> 